Welcome to the City Reach Baptist Podcast. If you would like more information about the life of our church, please go to our website at cityreach.com.au or like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Well, have a seat and open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. This is a great passage for us to look at on this Celebration Sunday because not only are we celebrating all that God has done for us this past year, but what I want to do with you is I want to share with you my heart for the following year as your pastor. You know, this past year, This past week, I was with a group of pastors in the city looking at how we might be able to share the gospel more effectively with our city. And we were talking about gospel-centered, Bible-believing churches. And we wrote up on a whiteboard the names of pastors and churches in our city. And as we wrote up these churches and the names of these pastors, I thought to myself, that's a pretty thin list. That's a pretty thin list. Out of, out of a city of 1.2 or 3 million, there may be only like 30 to 40,000 Christians in this whole city. That's, pretty, that's a pretty small percentage, isn't it? If you were to think about um, where we are situated as a church, Lightsview, Northgate, Valley View, all of those surrounding suburbs, and you were to draw a line around it, there's probably about 50,000 people in our area. And if every church was full, so look around and see the seats around you that are empty. If, if every seat in this church was full and every other church was full, and probably still in our area, we would only be reaching around about maybe two to 3,000 people out of 50,000 people. There were thousands of people, thousands of people who were headed to the worst fate imaginable. Let that sink in for a second. There are hundreds of thousands of people in our city who don't know Jesus. And so when they step into eternity, they're going to come under judgment. And we know the way, we know the truth, we know the life. We have the life. Let that reality just sink into you this morning. You know, that's the burden of my heart. Is for the thousands of people who need to know Jesus. And I know that as you look around in our culture, it seems like the darkness is advancing. And it is. But as the church of Jesus Christ, we should be brokenhearted. We should be burdened by the world that we see around us. By the thousands of people who don't know Jesus and who will come under his judgment because of their sin. And so how do we push back the darkness as a church? How do we push back the darkness? Well, this is where Ephesians chapter 4 is very instructive for us. Look down in your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul starts this way. He says, I urge you, therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord. He's making his appeal here, not on the basis of his apostolic authority, but he's making his appeal here on the basis of the fact that he's a prisoner. 
that he's, he's paid the price for his calling. He's a prison. He's in prison for his calling. He says, I urge you, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Do you know, as a Christian, you have been called. Sometimes we think that only pastors are called, only missionaries are called. But if you're a Christian, you were called by Jesus to follow Him, to make Him the Lord of your life. And we will never push back the darkness if we are a church who aren't living lives worthy of that calling. We will never push back the darkness if, that we, if we have lost our first love, if we are lukewarm, if we don't have a passion for His supremacy in all things. You see, where does it start to push back the darkness? It starts with you and me having a passion for His supremacy. That's why at City Reach, we say that we exist firstly for the glory of God. We exist to be people who are consumed by His glory for His honour. So this Celebration Sunday, let's have a gut check. Where is the Lord in your affections? If Jesus was to diagnose the heart, our hearts this morning, what would He say? Would He say, no, you've lost your first love. You're lukewarm. What would He say about the state of our hearts this morning? You know, I was listening to a sermon this week and the, the person was saying that it always begins, revival always begins with people coming in contact with the holiness of God. And when they come in contact with the holiness of God, they confess their sin. They then are spiritually renewed and they are put in a position ready to be used by God. Just think of Isaiah. Isaiah, he came in contact with the holiness of God and then he fell on his face before God and said, God, I am a man who is unclean. And God cleansed him. And then when the Lord said, um, who shall I send? Isaiah said, here I am, send me. See, where does it start? It starts with our hearts. Where does it start? Where do we push back the darkness? It starts with a renewed church. A church that's not asleep. A church that's awake. A church that's in love with Jesus. You can't share what you don't have. How are you going to share with people the love of God, if you are not reveling in that love and experiencing that love and grace and being transformed by that love. So that's where it begins. We exist to bring glory to God and joy to our city. Paul goes on to say in verse 2, to live in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all, gent with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of love. For the past three chapters, Paul has been outlining the believer's new identity. That as believers, we are given this amazing new identity. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We were once dead, now we are alive. We are brought into the family of God and we are a dwelling place for God. This is our amazing new identity. And now he says, we live this out through community, through a unified community. Now, when it comes to church unity, when I was a youth pastor, some of my youth group kids, they would turn to me and they would say, Timon, 
What, what we need to do as a church, what the churches need to do is we all need to just get together and form one big mega denomination under one banner. You know, all of the Baptist churches and Churches of Christ and Salvation Army, if we could just get together and form this one big mega denomination, then that would speak volumes to the world out there. You know, and the idea behind this is that the way that churches should be unified is churches can be unified through this external ecclesiastical unity. Well, there is a church in the world or a church in the world that does have this external ecclesiastical unity and that's the Catholic Church. They have a hierarchy of bishops leading up to the Pope. But I think what Paul would say is Paul would say we don't have to manufacture unity through external ecclesiastical structures, but rather what he would say is we just have to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Notice in verse 3, he says, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Do you realise that the moment you trusted in Jesus, you were baptised by the Spirit and you were brought into union with Jesus and therefore you were brought into union with every other believer on the planet because of your union with Jesus. Uh, I don't know if you've had this experience, if you've been on a cross-cultural mission trip, but when I've been on a cross-cultural mission trip, I've, you know, I've met people who are very different to me, who eat different food to me, who look different to me. And yet when I talk to them, there is this deep spiritual unity that we share because of our oneness in Jesus. I will never forget the very first mission trip that I went on to Africa. I had the most amazing corporate worship experience that I've ever had. It was a mission trip. To, we went to South Africa, then we went up to Uganda, then we went up to Kenya. And in South Africa, we went into this prison. And when we went into the prison, we were going to conduct the service that was going on in the prison. The young African men greeted us nervously, and we were re really nervous about going into this prison. But then they had this, this worship service in the prison. And it was beautiful. There was only this small little uh, like break in, in the courtyard where you could see the sky. And there these men started dancing and worshipping and honouring Jesus. And tears just started streaming down my face because even though I couldn't understand what they were saying and it had to be interpreted for me, the same Jesus that they were worshipping was the same Jesus that I worship. The same gospel that had freed them from their sins was the same gospel that I believed in. There was this deep unity that we shared. You see, we don't have to manufacture unity through some external code. We have a unity by the Spirit. We just have to make the invisible unity that we have visible in our relationships. Now, Paul goes on to, sh to speak more about this unity in verses four to six. He says, there is one body. How many bodies are there? There's one church with Jesus as head. There is one Spirit. It's not like you have a little Holy Spirit and you have a little Holy Spirit and you have a little Holy Spirit in you and you have a little Holy Spirit in you. Separate little Holy Spirits. There is one Holy Spirit. He's God and He indwells all of us. There's one hope to which we have been called. There's one Lord. There's one faith. You know, often people will say doctrine divides. But actually Paul here is actually saying, no, 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 no. Doctrine actually unites. 
You see, while it might be true, and it is true, that there are differences in different denominations on secondary issues, there is a great unity in all true Christians in the main things, in the faith. You know, I can't be united with a Jehovah's Witness. I can't be united with a Mormon because we believe different things about God. In this passage, it talks about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I believe different things about the deity of Christ. I believe different things about salvation. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given amongst men by which you must be saved. There is one faith, Paul says. And there is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You know, in a little over a week's time, my brothers are going to be coming for Hannah and David's wedding, to to our wedding, and uh, it's beautiful. It's going to be a great time. And we are brothers because we have the same father and we're in the same family. There is a deep unity here because we share the same father. We've been adopted into his family. We have the same Lord. We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same faith. We have the same hope. We have a deep unity in the Spirit. And so we don't need to manufacture unity. Churches that try to manufacture unity, it never works. What we need to do is we need to make the invisible unity visible in our relationships. And Paul says in verse 2 that this comes about through the attitudes that we develop. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility. The first attitude that we need in order to make this invisible unity visible is humility. Now, when it comes to humility, many people don't understand what humility is all about. Uh, Humility, a humble person is not someone who is always beating up on themselves. Sometimes we think that's humility, a a sort of a self-deprecating person who, when you say to them, you did a good job, they'll say back to you, oh, no, I didn't, it was hopeless and all of that sort of stuff, when it's obvious that they did a good job. That's not humility. You know, Tim Keller has said that humility is not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. It's also not beating up on yourself. It's thinking less of yourself. The truly humble person is someone who wouldn't even know they're humble because they're just not consumed with themselves. Their eyes are on God. Their eyes are on others. You know, in Greek mythology, there was this story told about this young man called Narcissus. Narcissus was a beautiful young man and so beautiful that all of the young ladies wanted to marry Narcissus. And one day, Narcissus went out hunting. And as he went out hunting, he came upon a pool. And for the very first time, he saw his own reflection in the pool. And he became enamored with the beautiful boy that he saw staring back at him in this pool. And it is said that Narcissus perished by the pool because he couldn't pull himself away from this beautiful image that he was seeing that was staring back at him. And the Greeks would tell this story to their children about the danger of being consumed with yourself. You know, we live in a narcissistic culture, do we not? The most important person in this world is who? Is you. And we can sometimes bring that into the church. The church is about me, it's about my preferences, it's about serving me and doing what I want, and it's about my comfort. And Paul would say, no, 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 no. (laughs) 
have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. He would say, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others as being more significant than yourselves. The way we cultivate humility is by actually dying to ourselves and placing others above ourselves and the needs of others above ourselves. Where do you need to die? Churches, die, churches start to die when all of the members inside are just consumed with themselves and are not consumed with the glory of God and the needs of others. Paul then says the second attitude that we need to cultivate is the attitude of gentleness. Now, gentleness is not necessarily an attribute that we love to talk about because, you know, we think that gentleness equates to weakness, But Jesus, it says, was gentle and lowly in spirit. And so what does that mean? Gentleness. Well, Jesus, it says, had compassion on the crowds because they were like sheep without a shepherd. I think gentleness is the expression of humility where you care and have compassion on other people. Yesterday... I was on park run, like I normally am, and there's this young man who I've seen many times before who's in transition, who is a, I think would identify as a transgender person. And yesterday, sovereignly speaking, he just ended up running his race and I ended up sitting right down next to him. And we ended up talking and having a conversation. And we talked all about all different things. And as I looked in his eyes, do you know what I saw? I saw a young man who didn't have a shepherd, who was a sheep without a shepherd. And I thought to myself, I wonder how our church would go if I invited him here? How would we go with someone like that? Would we love them? Would we care for them? Would we see past the outward appearance and see what the real need is? They are sheep without shepherd. My heart absolutely broke for this young guy. Because I had judged him, to be honest. I'd seen him before and I had judged him. And in speaking to him, I realized the deep hurt that was in his heart and how much he needed Jesus. He needed the shepherd who would free him. See, a true gospel-centered church is a church full of humble people a church full of gentle people who have compassion on others, a church full of patient people who bear with one another in love. This means that we give each other space to grow. We're not quick to jump down each other's throats, but we give each other space. You know, I'm the worst at this. What I tend to do is I judge other people by their actions, but I judge myself by my good intentions. That's what I tend to do. Why are you doing that? I don't ask myself that. 
I judge myself by my good intentions, by what I intend to do. But other people, I will judge them by their actions. When the gospel lodges in a church and the fellowship of a church, we will give people what we don't deserve. That's grace. We'll be patient and give space for God's Spirit to work in each other. Now we'll also confront when confrontation is needed and speak the truth. That's what we do. But in order to preserve unity, our unity comes about by making the invisible unity visible. And this is the way, my friends, that we push back the darkness is by being an authentic gospel-centered community full of people who aren't full of themselves, but full of people who are full of Jesus. Full of people who are gentle with others and compassionate for others who are far from God. Full of people who are patient and loving. You know, in the first century, the first century church made such an impact because the world had never seen anything like it. Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free people were coming together in the church And worshipping together people of such diversity. And it was because they were unified by the Spirit, by the power of the Gospel. You know, what will push back the darkness is a unified church. That's unified by the Gospel and by the Spirit and by a community of people who are willing to answer the call of the Gospel and make the invisible unity visible through humility and gentleness and patience. But not only do we live out our new identity through community, we live it out on mission. Look down in verse 7. Paul says, he's been speaking about all of the things that we have in common in verses 1 to 6, but now he defines the things that are different. He says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Paul here is quoting from Psalm 68. And he's speaking about the great victory of Christ, that on the cross, Jesus won a mighty victory over sin, death, and the devil. He descended and then he ascended, resurrected out of the grave and ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he has poured out spiritual gifts on each one of us. Each one of us has been given a measure of grace to use in God's mission. You've been given grace. You've been given grace. You've been given grace. You've been given grace. We tend to think that the church just has one minister, me. That's rubbish. We're a kingdom of priests. We're all ministers of the gospel, sent on mission for Jesus. You realize how amazing it's going to be in two weeks' time when we share the gospel with this community? There's going to be 4,000 people who come here. That's amazing. Next year, um, the Billy Graham Association is holding a crusade here in Adelaide in March. And if you're involved in that, get involved in that. Fantastic. That's going to be great. But do you realize Billy Graham, the Billy Graham Association, is hiring out a stadium that only seats 
9,000 people. They're not, whole, they're not hiring out the Adelaide Oval. They're only hiring out the basketball stadium, and I'm told that it seats about 9,000 people. And that suggests to me how many people they're expecting to come along for that one-night event. Do you realize next, in two weeks' time, we're going to have 4,000 people? This little church is going to have 4,000 people with whom we get to share the gospel with. We should be praying on our knees for that night. What an opportunity. People far from God are going to hear about the message of the gospel that night. And we desperately need prayer, don't we, Leanne? I feel like as a church, we are under spiritual attack at the moment from the enemy. And more than ever before, Leanne needs our prayers. And we need to be praying for this event. There have been people in our community who have been stirring up trouble for us as a church and stirring up trouble for this event. And we need as a church to be on our knees, seeking God over it, praying for it. And this is a perfect opportunity if you're just on the fringes of our church to be involved that night. We need people to be involved, to sign up and be involved so that we can present to our community who are far from God the message of the gospel. See, how do we push back the darkness? We're renewed spiritually. Let's not lose our first love. It starts there. We exist to bring glory to God. We live out our new identity that we've been given through this unified community of the Spirit, a gospel-centered community. And we are on mission, empowered by the Spirit to share the gospel with our community. Today, we not only want to look back, but we also want to look forward. And today, the pastor's put together a document for you. Do you have that document? Just shake it in the air so I can see. You've got the annual report. Fantastic. Harold, I only see your hand. I don't see the document, bro. There it is. So this document is, puts together some of the initiatives that we are going to be taking in 2019, practical initiatives to share with the community. And at City Reach, we exist to live out our new identity through community on mission. And we have three M's and three R's. In community, we magnify, mature, minister. And on mission, we reach, represent, and reproduce. So in magnification, we seek to cultivate our awe for God through passionate worship, faith-filled prayer, and life-changing biblical teaching. Next year, what we're going to do in order to cultivate faith-filled prayer in our church, is in the third week of January, we're calling our whole church to 21 days of prayer and fasting. Unless the Lord builds the house, what does it say? The laborers labor in vain. So at the beginning of next year, we want, I want to challenge you all to be involved in this. We're going to talk more about it in January. But we want you to give up either a lunchtime meal, a breakfast, or a dinner, to just get on your knees and start seeking God for His empowerment in His church. Without His power, we can do nothing. And so we're going to do that at the beginning of next year. In maturity, we invite everyone into God's family and through deep spiritual friendships, pursue intentional growth in Christ-like character. Next year, under Pastor Vincent, we are going to expand our real-life group network. Pastor Vincent 
has visited many of our real life groups. He's already recruited coaches to coach our real life group leaders. And we're going to develop online methods in order to further build up new leaders and also build up our existing leaders. If you have a passion for real life group ministry, we want you to come and contact us so we can train you because we need more leaders in our real life groups. Also, starting Monday night next year, Monday night is going to be equipping night. What is Monday night? Equipping night, where we are going to be starting a a discipleship academy, and we're going to be doing courses on Bible and theology and practical Christian living to equip you to be on mission and in ministry. Uh, In our ministry M, we serve one another, foster love and belonging and offer care and biblical counselling. Next year, Pastor Jeff, on our Monday night equipping nights, is going to be running an art of marriage course because he's recognised that many marriages in our church and in our community are right on the razor's edge. And many other marriages are not mutually satisfying and God-glorifying. So through that course, we hope to build up our marriages. Also, Pastor Graham is going to be working with our families. He's going to be offering picnics, social events, and also running a family camp in October next year to build up the fellowship among our family group. We have an excellent fellowship ministry called Oasis. Who here goes to Oasis? Put up your hand. Fantastic. Oasis is a fantastic ministry. I was on campus yesterday, and there was over 100 people celebrating, uh, having a, a celebration dinner together here at the campus with Oasis. Well, we want to do the same in our church. We want to build up the sense of fellowship and belonging. We know that we're a large church, but we don't want to lose anyone. We don't want anyone to get lost. Uh, Also, with our PVC nights, we will be running our PVC nights, not just on Wednesday next year, but we'll be running two of them after church on a Sunday. And every time we run PVC, we're going to have a meal so that we as a church can grow in fellowship with one another. So that's in our magnification, maturity, and ministry area in community. On mission, we reach, we pray for people and reach out to them with the gospel, urging them to explore the Christian faith. One of the things that has happened in our community over the last five years is that we have now become a community, our local community is full of people from mainland China and also from the subcontinent. And so in 2019, under Pastor Graham and also with the help of Pastor Vincent, we want to put together a Mandarin outreach team. We want to, if you speak Mandarin, we need you. Maybe you've been sent to this church for this purpose. You might have thought that no one wants your gifts. We, we want to know who you are so we can, we can put you into this team. And hopefully through this team, we'll be able to start ministries like Alpha in Mandarin and a, a Mandarin home group. And also maybe, wouldn't it be cool, is next, next year when you come in, there is translation in Mandarin given for every sermon so that people can have headphones and hear the sermon in their own language so that we're making our church accessible to the community in which we are located. We're also, next year, September is going to be Mission Month, where we're going to be equipping everyone in evangelism. Joy to the City will occur in September next year. And at the end of September, we will have a Take Another Look Sunday, where we want you all to be praying for who you can invite along to hear the gospel. 
Katerine came along a couple, years, a couple years ago to a Take Another Look Sunday, and we saw her baptised last week. We want to do the same thing next year. Uh, in our represent, we display Christ in our everyday lives and demonstrate the gospel to our community through acts of service. Pastor Jeremy is doing a great job in Cedar, but we want to put together a Cedar outreach team, people who are dedicated to working in Cedar and making the most of that opportunity. For example, you might have time on a Friday morning after chapel on Friday, there is the opportunity to serve the mums and dads with coffee here in the terrace, building that connection with people from our community. We also want to buy a coffee van. We've been using City Reaches West coffee van, and we want to buy a coffee van of our own so that we can use it at events uh, like Sports Day and other events so that we can serve people coffee and build a bridge for the gospel to people. And finally, in our reproduce ministry, we are disciples who make disciples. We raise up leaders and team, sending them out on the great, to fulfill the Great Commission. Next year, we have budgeted for another church planting resident. We had one in 2017, Lawson Hannaford, and he was sent out this year to plant City Reach Marion. We have budgeted for another church planting resident. We don't have anyone on the horizon yet, so we need to be praying, but we've budgeted for one so that we can start raising up another church planter and a core team to plant another City Reach church in 2020. We also have budgeted for two internships next year. And so if you're in the age range of 18 to about 25, and you're thinking about ministry, then this would be for you. Because we want to give you an internship, a year-long experience, where you give up your time in order to see what ministry is like so that we can sow into you and develop you as a leader. So there are just some of the things, some of the initiatives that we're hoping to do next year through our team. There are many other initiatives and many other things that we still will continue to do as we go through next year. But I tell you, I'm excited about what God has for us. See, I, wanna, I know that you know me now. I've been here for nine years. And so you, you know my weaknesses and you know my strengths. And I haven't hidden anything from you. You know that I'm just a weak person and so I very much need your prayers. But I believe that God can do all these things for his glory and his honour because I've seen him do it in the past. And my, the burden of my heart, literally, guys, is for the thousands of people in our city who are yet to know Christ. Are our plans perfect? Probably not. But we are going after, going after reaching this city for the glory of Christ in his strength and by his power. And so I just, I invite you to join us. Join us in this. Greater things are still to come and greater things are yet to be done in this city. Let's in faith rise and believe God's promises and believe the promise of Jesus when Jesus said, I will build my church. So are you coming with me? Are you coming with me? Come on.
Let's bring glory to God and joy to our city. Let's magnify, mature, minister. Let's reach, let's represent, let's reproduce for the glory of God. Let's stand together, hey? And let's pray. Father, we have looked back and we have traced your hand this morning in all of the things that you have done through our church. And as we've done that, that's built faith in our hearts that greater things are yet to be done in this city and greater things are still to be done. Lord, we want to be a church on fire for you that's passionate about your purposes for your glory. Father, I thank you for every member of this church. We have so many members of this church who serve and faithfully give and minister for your glory. I pray that you would encourage them for anyone who's feeling overwhelmed. May they look up and see the goodness and greatness of King Jesus, who not only descended to the lower regions, but has ascended so that he might fill all things. Lord, we worship you and honour you and praise you. Lord, we all need your spirit and every provision from your hand to accomplish what you're calling us to as a church. Thank you for this time this morning of celebration, thanksgiving and renewal. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.